You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details welcome back for part two of my conversation with taylor mack I'm Tanya Pinkins, and you're listening to my podcast, You Can't Say That. It's the podcast where you can, on the Broadway Podcast Network. If you're enjoying the conversation, visit me at bpn forward slash you can't say that for more interesting conversations with my peers. You've done a lot of Brecht. No, just the good person of Szechuan. Szechuan. And you didn't yeah. write that. You were just acting in that, right? I was just acting, and I didn't do the uh, translation. Um, but uh, I like I like just acting sometimes. It's really nice. <laughs> it's so like easy. It's yeah. so easy. It's so less. It's so much less work <laughs> than See? producing, directing, acting, uh, writing. You know, like uh, that's what I usually do. And everyone always always says, "Oh no, you shouldn't act in your own work because, or you or you shouldn't write and, and act at the same time. You know, let someone else do that so you can be an outside eye and look." And I think, no, 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 no. That's that's bullshit. Like just you know, do your work and work how hard you want to work and and figure it out. And everyone adapts to the new techniques that need to be used and it's fine it always works out but uh but ever so often i just like focus on one thing see we're (laughs) at the opposite ends of that pendulum oh really like you i look at you and i think i don't know how anybody could do a 24-hour musical i saw 12 hours of it and i was just like (laughs) (laughs) you could do it i don't even want to do a solo show okay i'm like that shit but at the same time as an actor, uh-huh. it's no longer enough. Yeah, like, it's yeah, just yeah, too yeah. easy. It's like, I can do most of the things people offer me in my sleep. I'm like, yeah. Why yeah. should I get out of bed and go spend six <laughs> hours a day? Like, I can, I can do this today. Right. You know? You, you but for you, challenged. you need a break from the fact that you're firing on all cylinders all the time. Yeah. For me, I'm looking for moments where I can fire on all cylinders. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? Well, I, that was a decision I made early on is that I, I wasn't, I have such respect for actors that just commit to the material. Don't judge it. Don't judge the character. Don't, you know, they... Uh, they just are full on in it and they do that thing. I, I And I knew I was never going to be that actor. I, I always want to work with actors like that, but I knew I was never going to be that actor that I, I couldn't just be, I couldn't just get up and do something that I didn't uh, politically agree with or socially agree with. And, and so I, uh, and, and I have things to say. So I knew, I knew I had to make some kind of hybrid work for myself um, because I, I wasn't going to be happy doing under fives on Law and Order. I just wasn't going to be happy mm. convincing the world that every every defendant is guilty. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Right. <laughs> so, and most of the people I know who have have those kind of careers, they're not happy. So, and they're extraordinary actors who are just you know. So, anyways, I try to encourage people <laughs> who have some kind of drive to make their own work. I don't know. It's yeah. It's, you it's, should make your own work. You, I want to. I want to see your work. I, well, you, kind of, sort of try sometimes. Like yeah. I, I was interviewing Bridget Everett the uh, other day. Yeah, and, she, and, she was in my first musical that uh, I wrote. She changed my life. Like Did that she? was doing uh, uh, one of one our hit parade was life altering oh, for me. Wow. Um I, I I told her that I saw her perform once and she ended a song by sitting on a patron's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've it seen that. <laughs> fucked with me in such a way that I left the theater. I didn't say goodbye. I just fled home. Uh-huh. I didn't know what it had done to me. I uh-huh. did I had no words for the experience. 
it just fucked with me. And when I ran into her many months later and she asked me to come on stage with her, I was like, I need to see what you do. Because of you. <laughs> and, um, and then when I saw our hit parade, I was blown away. And she was like, you don't have to do all that. You can just sing a song. And I was like, oh, no. If I'm coming here, uh, I got to. I want to meet what I these need to people deconstruct are doing. And figure this out, and yeah. And yeah. I ended up doing "Blow Me One Last Kiss." Brian uh, Nash arranged it. We made it this whole Catholicism thing, and I was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. so it was this confrontation of Catholicism. I was in a nun's habit. I had the cat of nine tails. I was beating myself for saying these swear words. We went into this exorcist thing and then, you know, it ended and I had like a dildo underneath my habit. <laughs> and leading up to it, I cried and oh, cried. Because you were nervous? or I expected God oh. to strike me down dead oh. or to strike my children down dead. I oh. thought that I would be punished for this sacrilegious event. Oh. And, and you know, my friend was like, why are you doing this thing? This You're so upset about it. Why would you do something? I said, because it's scary. It's so fucking scary to me that I can't live with this fear. This fear is crippling me. And so I went and did it. It went by so fast. And then I waited to die. And I didn't. I was like, oh, shit. There's a whole. It was like it suddenly opened a whole door that I didn't know was closed until I did the thing that I would never do. Yeah. 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 When I was first doing my performance art, it was the scariest thing ever uh, to to stand up there. Wearing like newspapers that I'd glued to my half naked body and <laughs> singing these original songs and and dealing with the audience and the improv of that and not being an improv artist having no craft of it and going in and just trying to be brave and and uh, and doing something outside of what I was trained to do which is this very traditional neoliberal theater you know and uh, and I just. Uh, I'll never go back, really. I mean, I'll dabble. I'll dabble in the neoliberal. I mean, it's fun, you know. I enjoy it, but uh, I just never go back. It's so liberating, and but it's it was it's so scary that first time is scary. Yeah. Oh, I hope you'll do more. It sounds wonderful. Well, I, it excites me. I yeah. mean, like if what it for the feeling of it for me was kind of an adrenaline. I like I only want to do things that scare me that much. Yeah. So like, would you do a whole? Would you think to do a whole thing at Joe's Pub or someplace like I've that? I've done like, like fifteen you? nightclub acts. Uh-huh. And they no, have I know, been but... wild and crazy oh, stuff. They? Like I write yeah. them and they're crazy. Yeah. And, you know, I have guys dressed up in heels singing. I bring a Sibian on stage and uh-huh. have people on Sibian. I mean, I've done some crazy stuff. Yeah. I think the thing that deterred me from that is doing it all by myself and not having any producer. And that when they call me, you go, there's like two seats sold. And you're like, oh, God, I got to try uh, to get people in. I was like, that part did not interest me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's you got to be a self yeah, I don't know how you do that. How do you do that? What is that self-promotion thing? I do not I do not understand the self-promotion thing. Well, you thing. know this wonderful uh, Christy Edmonds, who's, um, uh, she runs the UCLA um, performing, the <laughs> center of, of the art of performance uh, in, in Los Angeles. And she's extraordinary. And she booked me, and um, it's Royce Hall. It's a big theater out there. And I'd never performed in L.A. before. And so I said, you know, this theater is too big for me uh, for my first time. And, and she said, Taylor, if, if we rely on the artists to get the audience, we're not doing our job. And it was the first time anyone had ever said that to me. Uh, in the presenting world, I, I, I'd always carried this burden of it's my responsibility yes. to bring in the audience. Yes. And what she was saying is, no, no, that's our job. Your job is to make the art. And <laughs> it was so liberating to me. because So now I don't really worry about it. I, I, it, it is the, the theater's job. That's why they get paid salaries. We don't get paid salaries <laughs> unless we're like working eight oh. a week. We don't get paid a salary. So uh, it's their job to do that. So I, I, I would say the activism in, in that fear of, you know, if there only two people bought tickets, that is the pub's problem. That is not your problem. And so then the you know, the responsibility has to be put on. Then you have to find the venue who's actually going to hold their responsibility and, and live up to it, you know, to, to like get you an audience. I like that as an idea because it just exhausted me. I yeah. loved the performing, but the trying to get an audience and, oh, and yeah. the posters and the placards and the this and the that. And yeah. it's like you still like 
But I don't believe that you perform in New York City and only two people show no, up. No, no, I don't two is, a, is hyperbolic. <laughs> right. okay. But, you know, you think the room is only 120 people and I can't sell out 120 people? Right, I know. <laughs> it's like, depressing oh. when you can't. And, and it's so f- interesting because one year you'll be like, it packed. Every show's one packed. packed. And then the next year it's like, nope. <laughs> nope. And you have no idea why. And you're like, oh, Nothing's because changed. I was in this thing and they're thinking about me. And also New York has so much choice. So many choices. So much choice. Yeah. Like people could be... People could just stay home and watch TV, really. Well, and it's also about, uh, I mean, it's about getting the, it is about getting the word out. I mean, uh, that advertising only, you know, uh, at a 180 seat theater or whatever, isn't going to be, there's not going to be a big budget for it. Right. So, you know, that is, that is tricky. I find that ritual helps. I find when you do do ritual uh, ritual performance in terms of uh, booking one show, um, sometimes will not get you an audience, but booking 30 shows over the course of eight months will get you an audience. And what I mean by that is... But who's going to book you 30 times if you can't get an audience the first time? Well, you get an audience... Like, you... Basically, it's word of mouth is part of that. You know, you start to build this word of mouth, uh, the same show. Like, Bridget um, will do the same show mm-hmm. for a couple years. Yes. Right? At Joe's Pub. Night after night after night after night. Now she's famous at this point, but she there was a she wasn't right. And when we were doing Twenty Four Decade, we started, and I would have you know a hundred people in a hundred and eighty seat house, and then and then word got out, and word got out, and then eventually it was packed every every time. So, so I got to just keep doing it. Well, I mean, I think that there's something to. The opera, well, the burlesque performers are my friend Judy Martini. She makes the, her her um, fan dance, right? Mm. She does one number. It's the fan dance, and she was doing it in nineteen, I think ninety nine, <laughs> or or two thousand when I when I first encountered her, and she's still doing it. And I always felt well, I but I've sang I've sung that song. I wrote that song. I've sung yeah. it, and and the audience they've seen it, so they I can't do that again. And I learned from the burlesque performers, no. Just keep doing, just keep doing good. You can do different numbers as well, but just keep doing it, doing it, and doing it. And I've seen over the years how she's built an audience by through the repetition. It's just like the freaking politicians who repeat the same slogan time after time. I mean, it is making a commodity out of the performance. So that's, you know, cheap. But no, for me, it's like I'm bored. Like I've I've explored this song 12 times. I don't want to sing it anymore. Like that's what it is for me. It's like people always want me to sing the songs from my shows. I'm like, oh, I know you like that. I don't want to say well, that but let's, song. But let's, yeah, and I did again, the hyperbole. eight shows a week. Yeah, you did it eight times a week <laughs> for two years? Or? Uh, no, 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 a year. That was the longest year. I've ever done anything. But that, that's a lot of shows. <laughs> I know. That's I like, more than I 12 times. I sang it enough times. I got to sing it again. I know. But I know, but no people wonder you're do bored, like that. You know, but I think that's a like a, a thing that children have. Like they want to hear the same story again. Mm. And you could read it to them five yeah. times and they really like it. My poor children, mother, their mother would not do that for them. Uh, <laughs> their mother would I like, think, no. I think 300 performances is enough. Like. You can let it go after that. But, but I think I'm people a- want to see your signature song. Like, people are always asking me to sing Lot's Wife. Like, no, not going to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. You moved happen. on. You've moved on. Yeah. yeah. I think you should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I loved it, but yeah. 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 It, took a, it was like a piece of life. Yeah. What do you want to, what, if you were to do another musical, what do you want to do? People ask you that all the time. No, people no, don't ask no. me that all the time. Um... Is, I mean, is there anything in the canon that you're, you're like, I want to do that role? No, because I think in the cabaret, I picked all the songs out of the canon uh-huh. and I sang them. Yeah. And I think I always picked my work based on who was in the room. Yeah. So I didn't See, read the material. I would just be like, oh, they're in the room? Oh, I just want to be in the room with them. Yeah. So yeah. it didn't matter what the material was. If the material was up to worthy, it was like, well, we're going to be in the room. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to make it better. Like, we're yeah, going to be yeah. there. And... I feel like in that it, it was that year of Mother Courage, there were like three shows that I was in the room with really great people, uh-huh. and it was three in a row, which was the three strikes, and I was out. Where my <laughs> intelligence and inquisitiveness was not matched in the room, uh-huh. and was in fact treated like it was a problem. 
that I wanted to go deeper, that I wanted to know more, that I wanted to, and it was like, that was a problem. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, that's all I do. Mm-hmm. I, I come in the room and I'm like, okay, we figured that out. Now what else? Yeah. What else? What else? It's like, George has this thing. He says, brilliance lies in the moment that might not work. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm like, yeah, this yeah. thing that has never existed before. And that's where he exists too. He's, I mean, that's the fun part of George is that's where he exists. Is that, I mean, it's the danger of George, but it's also the fun part. But of that's it. what, I, and I've worked with him more than anyone in my career. So that's yeah. where I live. I'm like, okay, we we figured out all these things that do work. Now, what are we gonna try that might not work? That might be some shit that nobody's ever seen before. I, that's where I want to be. Yeah. And I just. Stopped yeah. meeting people in the room who were working at that level. Yeah, well, it would be hard to work, to, to start with. I mean, on that that you started with him, but your first Broadway musical was with George, right? No, oh, my first wasn't? Broadway musical was Mary Riley. We roll along. Was it Hell really? Do Sondheim. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so Sondheim and then George Wolfe. So, I mean, you know, I mean, it's hard to. Those are. Very smart people. <laughs> it's hard to go from them to somebody who's like, meh, meh. <laughs> yeah, it is hard. I've worked with the you know the greatest yeah. artists of my time, yeah. and I'm accustomed to like being in a room and telling Tony Kushner that doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. So if, if Tony Kushner can hear that from me, you new playwright, you can't hear me tell you that doesn't work. Yeah, you gonna yeah, be yeah. mad at me? <sighs> Come on <Yeah>. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, well, I don't know what to say to that. (laughs) Yeah, but for me, that's the excitement, like that friction of, okay, you, you, and then, and then, like, for me, that's like sex. For me, Mm -hmm. like, when we are working creatively at our best, it's the friction of, like, well, I like this, and then suddenly, combustion happens and something has come into being from this friction of the two things, and now there's something that didn't exist before. Yeah. And I don't know, like everybody's so cozy and, and comfy. And, I think I might be one of those cozy people you're complaining about. I don't think you are. There's nothing I've seen you do that was cozy and comfy. And I, and I saw somewhere where you said you build in failure in yeah, work. I you do. build in the potential. Yeah, for that's like the, the baby. Like the, I wanted, like the potential for the ending of the play, which we're so used to being so perfectly like crafted, and the ending of the play could ruin the entire experience, <laughs> but then elevate the experience because the experience is the art that's in the room, not the, not your preconceived notion of what you've just experienced. You know, so, so, so to me, that is the, that's exciting. The danger in the room can, can you give over the dramatic event, the moment when everything changes, can you give that, res- that over to the audience and how they respond each night? differently that to me is thrilling and um it 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 takes us away from epiphany it it, it, and it brings back the liveness of theater instead of one of the reasons you get tired of singing the the song every single night is because of the 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 concept of that weird thing that happens on broadway or even in um regional theater uh where they freeze the show I don't, that's why Bridget's so exciting. You know, when you go and say, you saw our hit parade, everything was alive in the moment. Everything could be different because there's no freezing the show. <laughs> and that, I, 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 it just is my least favorite thing to hear is the show Frozen. I'm always like, fuck you. <laughs> no, right. it's, it's alive. We're, and I'm trying to make moments that are alive for the audience so that they can feel alive in their considerations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what made Whitney Houston exciting. You could yeah. go hear her sing the same song. It was not ever going to be the way it was on the record. Yes. She was going to do some new stuff and you were yes. there to be in yeah. her exploring it in a new yeah. way every night. And when I did Caroline in London, Matt Lowe, the music director, said to me, it's just so fascinating to me how you do a different show every night. The lines are the same and the music is the same and the blocking is the same, but you do a different performance every night. I can't have that. <laughs> He said, I've got to put together 12 companies and they've got to be the same. Oh, I was wow. like, oh. I said, so you are like responsible for the standardization of musical theater into McDonald's and Starbucks right. because I'm like, musical theater is one-offs. Ethel Merman, these people who were just iconic, there isn't another one. Yeah. That's what musical theater is. Yeah, I don't have to change the lines, the blocking, or the words to 
to actually let you experience the life of it in a different way every night. Yeah. And we've sort of suddenly moved away from that. And that's from a music director who runs a lot of big shows all over the world. Uh, yeah, that, that That is seen as uh, a threat to commerce. Yeah. Because people want to know that if their friends told them about it in New York, that when they go to see it in London, it's going to be the same show. They saw that exact same thing. It's like eating Ugh. at McDonald's in Rome. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, who wants that? A lot of people. I know. You know, but so Dan Fish said to me, the most wonderful thing uh, was, so he does this Oklahoma, and... And uh, and the people that love it, love it. And the people that hate it are mad that it's not Oklahoma, their version of Oklahoma, right? And he says, I always thought the point of theater was that the curtain goes up and you don't know what's on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> but people come to the theater because they want to know what's on the other side. Even that the marketing for, uh, <laughs> Nathan would always talk about this, the marketing for Mamma Mia, their poster said, you already know you love it. <laughs> which is you like the, already know that is love evil it. to me I mean I, I get that some people like that but for me it's just that's uh, uh, no you shouldn't already know if you love it you it, it shouldn't be uh, I don't I just well, can it, where's the surprise <laughs> yeah I guess a lot of people don't want surprise they don't they want to know what they they want what they know and and that's not what I'm that's not, not my genre arts, and it's not what the arts <laughs> To me, the arts is not, that's not our purpose. We rev up our society. We yeah, point yeah. a finger at what the problem yeah. is. We show that. And that's why it's so radical. And that's why countries yeah. shut down the artists and yeah. kill them first. <laughs> well, we're, I mean, people have done, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the difference between something that's artistic and something that's art, right? <laughs> so, like, everything that's on Broadway is artistic. Everything, even the most commodified piece of Disney or whatever is is artistic, but it's not art. <laughs> and the difference, you know, is... Art is dangerous. Not, art is dangerous. Art, art is, is going to break up the status quo, not support it. Right. I mean, and the, the early theater, it all came from... I mean, the Sanskrit plays and, and, uh, and the Greeks, they were all about... Uh, um, shoring up the status quo, making sure everybody adheres to um, the kind of social dictate and and uh, and honors the king and the queen and the emperor and the and the church and the you know all of that uh, and the rules and stuff. So they were te they were all kind of about teaching people how to behave in the world, um, and uh, so it's it's rooted in us. And but part of our job is to break free of that because the the. That's just artistic. That's not art. <laughs> That's propaganda. Actually. It is propaganda. And so much of our movies and our television is propaganda. Yeah. And it's great propaganda. And yeah, it is it's beautiful it's entertaining. propaganda. And it I love works. it. <laughs> like for me, I've been loving Korean drama. Oh. Do you watch any Korean drama? <laughs> no, movie? but I, I saw that Parasite movie. It's Did so you love it? wonderful. Oh, it's so good. What I love about oh. the Koreans is that they they don't they don't follow Aristotelian three act structure. Uh -huh. and they just mix genres, and there are yeah. no rules. And yeah. it's just like you're just on a ride, and you just it's go, hybrid. and it works. And I mean, that Parasite starts as a comedy, and then it's a drama, and then it's a tragedy, and then it's a farce, and then it's a horror, and then it's like fucking an epic Greek tragedy. It's, I mean, it's everything that I want my theater to be in. So in uh, uh, even even the liveness feels present. You you actually don't know what's going to happen because he's he's making hybrid work. He's squishing all of those genres and forms and styles all together in the same film. So you're not sure. You're always surprised by every, everything. The reaction. The uh, he's he's juggling tropes and at the same time he's breaking them. It's so beautifully done and agreed. And it's not homogenous. You know you don't feel like you're seeing that. Same thing you've seen five million times. Well, yeah. I'm grateful for you making what you make. Uh, no, I, I really, really am. Because I also think it it paints this path for other artists to follow in. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's interesting to me that you, like, do you know Hannah Gadsby too? Hannah uh, Gadsby. Hannah Gadsby, the Australian. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I'm comedian. excited by people like you oh. and Hannah and Bridget who are making art of your uniqueness, art that mm. nobody else could make it. Yeah. Like it is the expression of you in the world. Mm. Yeah, I don't... Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say to that, but I, I, I guess I'm trying... I'm, 
I, maybe I'm a little insecure about uh, about that because I feel uh, that um, identity is the is subplot, but when it's plot, um, it's uh, less interesting. <laughs> How do you mean? What do you mean by identity as plot? No, I want to know. Well, I guess I mean that um, uh, 24 decade history of popular music is uh, people often say it's a queer retelling of American history. And I say, no, 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 no. Um, The queer aspect of it is the subplot, is essentially like everything, because I'm queer and I'm on stage and I'm telling it, the history is queer, right? Okay. (laughs) Because it's coming from a queer body. The history is queer, okay, uh, and 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 that's important. And I, I wanted to be there. Uh, it's who I am. But the 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 show itself is about how communities are built because they're uh, because and um, while they're being torn apart. It is the questions that um, emerge as a result of that phenomenon of communities being built because they're torn apart, and. Um, queerness and queer communities are certainly an aspect of that uh, history. Wow. Somebody's (laughs) somebody's excited. I don't know what it is. Somebody's screaming it for somebody down there. Yeah. Um, I don't think of your work as queer. So when I think I'm going to see Taylor Mac, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to see this queer artist. I'm like, I'm going to see a Taylor Mac. And whatever point of view is going to come out is going to be something that is uniquely how Taylor experiences and reprocesses the world and gives it back to us. You know, when I think of Bridget, I just am going to see Bridget Everett and she's going to do some shit that only Bridget experiences. Same with Hannah Gasby. I mean, you know, Hannah just discovered she was autistic. So it's like, I don't think I'm going to see this autistic person. No. It's, for me, it's that this could only come from this, this that Mark the, Martha Graham to Agnes DeMille quote, like if you don't express it, it will not exist anywhere else in the world and that that's your right. obligation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's yeah. like, okay, well, you, I, I mean, like saying. you might not be queer in a few years. I don't know. I mean, like I don't, yeah. I'm not trying to examine your identity. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, interested yeah. in what's coming through you uh-huh. and however that evolves over the course of your life, I'm interested because- yeah. Yeah. It's exciting and engaging yeah. and entertaining as well. So I'm on the journey with you, however you evolve yeah. through your life. Yeah. Well, and I, th- but I think the, maybe the reason why when you go to see me, you don't think I'm going to see this queer performer is because uh, the queerness is the reference for contextualization, but it's not the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. right, 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 right. Right. So it's maybe how things are uh, interpreted, but it's not. It's it, it's not the point of the work. So, um, it's not, not the point it's, it's, it's subtext of the work, you know? So I guess that's, that's really what I mean. I, I guess I'm, really where the insecurity comes from is how does the individual, uh, um, escape ego <laughs> and still make work? That's really my question, you know? Yeah. And ego is a big part of work. Yeah. Like, I feel like when I, and I do make work, I just made my first feature oh. film. Oh, you I did? I wrote it, produced it, directed, Amazing. started in um, social political horror. And, <laughs> you um, like horror movies. I love <laughs> horror movies. Um, and I think the ego place in it is like, you know, there would be points when, pe- when you know, my team would be like, well, this is what's on the page. And I'm like, uh-huh. And this is what we're going to do right now. <laughs> because I'm seeing, and I realized like, there's things that they're reading on the page in a linear way, and I know uh-huh. what that means. And, blah, 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 and I, I can't, don't have time to explain to you because right now I got to make something right, right here because I Ooh. can see. And you all want of people that. who will just commit, right? I they got to commit. People just commit. I can't. I just can't explain commit. it to you. You yeah. not, I can't. I don't have time. I, I can be done with it before I try to explain to you yeah. why it's not doesn't look like what yeah. you see on the page or what you understand what it's on the page yeah. to be. Nigel Smith was is directing my new play uh, that's going to be at the Flea, and he. He was saying to the actors, I, I just I just want you all to commit to every moment, whatever it might be. <laughs> like, that's all you need to do. 
You don't need to wonder if what the psychology is behind it. Just commit. <laughs> like, well, and that was for that was for that was for young performers. That's a right. note for young performers. And see, I'm the teacher who tells my young performers, "Now you got to understand everything. You right. are the material. You are the actor. They are coming to see you. Right. You know, because I'm I'm upset with that. I go to actors and I go. So what was it like being in the room? Like, what was the conversation? What are you making? And they'll be like, mm. Yeah, well. they just showing up to be paper dolls, and I, I'm I'm I can't be yeah. a paper doll. I know it goes back to our yeah, thing. Uh, I can't be I, your paper I can't doll. Just do that job. I want to understand because my mind is going to be working. Yeah. So, you but know. you know, the more that you make your own thing, the more uh, at least the more this it's has a been my experience. To be a paper doll. You're like, it is a relief to, to be a paper doll. You just show up and do the thing and have some fun. I'm, I've just been offered this role on Broadway, which, you know, if it works out with the schedule, I'm going to do. Uh, and, and, uh, I, I just, was, part of me was like, okay, well, I, I got to engage. And of course they, they've asked me to be in it so that I will engage mentally and stuff. And there's this other part of me that was just like, or oh, I could just play the part. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could just, oh, how much fun would that be? Just show up and play the part for, I get know. that. Yeah. I totally get that, and I've tried it. Mm-hmm. Like I think my my attitude about doing television was like, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I am totally a paper doll in television because I don't know how the director's going to edit it. I don't know what the vision is. There's a whole bunch of people who are in control, and I don't know. So I just show up to be the material that they're going to use. Mm-hmm. And then I got sort of wrestled into doing this nothing part, mm-hmm. where literally they they asked me to come in and. Um, they said, we just need her strength in the room. It's kind of just to be an extra. And I was like, there's a lot of money to be an extra. Well, all right. Then an extra? Yeah, sure. sure. I came in one time. And that one time. Then it became two times. Mm-hmm. Then it became, I was the titular character on the show, but I was just Sitting there in the extra. background. And literally an extra. And I might have one line. And so, you know, and then it would be like, Can, could you just do less? Could you just do less? I'm like, no, I can't be invisible. Okay? I'm not able to be invisible. I don't even speak like, in the scene. I didn't become a performer so I could be invisible. You know, but it was it, it started to be a kind of grating thing for me because like right. I don't even do anything in the in the yeah, thing. Yeah. And I had a director, it was actually a very kind thing. She said to me, she said, you know, Tanya, I'm sorry I keep asking you to do less. She said, You're just so commanding on screen that I can't take my eyes off you. And it's just not your movie. Well, <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But you know, I always think like if you get cast to play S- Scout or whatever that name, that character's name that plays the wall in Midsummer Night Dream, and somebody asks you, "What's the play about?" Well, it's about this guy who plays a wall. <laughs> That's what it is to be an artist. That's what Bill Esper used to say. He said, "You know an actor when you go." So, what's the play about? Well. It's about this wall. <laughs> it's about this wall. <laughs> exactly. That is what it is to be because an artist. That's, that's the well, that's the actor's job. The director's job and the playwright's job is to think about the themes and the ideas. And sure, the actor needs to think about the themes and ideas of the big play as a wall. <laughs> but it's still about the wall. That's your the, entry point is you're the wall. Yeah, yeah. And my... To me, my gift as an actor is I have always had the view of the director. I didn't mm-hmm. know that until now. Mm-hmm. So I've never been one of those actors who could just go in and just try to make it about me and make me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to serve the vision of the playwright and the director. Yeah. So I wanted to understand what is the big thing we're building. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to craft my thing so that each piece of it is leading to the thing you're trying to make because right. I'm I'm seeing that that mm-hmm. that yeah. is my way in is understanding that oh we get to here so you know here's the moment where I need to be hated and then here's the moment where I win yeah. you back and because I do think of myself as a craftsperson so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yes I'm from my point of view but I also see that I fit into something bigger uh-huh. and I actually feel like I have the control and the craft to be able to plot the points that are building this thing that you yeah. you are building even when you don't know it because my being inside of it and knowing it I just do know those things yeah yeah I mean that's what I, I, I long for both you know whenever I'm working with actors I long for the actor who's going to make five million choices and come at it from the perspective that they're the lead even if they're the smallest part and I long for the person who understands uh, that <laughs> 
<laughs> that they're not the lead, even if they are the lead, <laughs> that the play is the lead, that the ideas are the lead, that, that, that what we're trying to all collectively do together is bigger than us as individuals. So, you know, you want, you want to like juggle both of those things and yeah. <laughs> That's, right. that's the dream collaboration. You need, you need all of that in the room. Like George yeah. says, the best ensemble is a group of stars. Mm. He says, because you want the audience to be able to look anywhere in the on the stage at any moment mm. in time and see something exciting. And he says, if you have a bunch of stars on stage, everybody knows, if you don't take the moment, I will. So, you know, everybody mm. is just stepping up, stepping up, stepping up. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I don't, that's not, that's not how I would want to work. Because, <laughs> tell us why, tell me why. Because um, maybe star means something to you than it means to me, though. Yeah. So star I to think, me doesn't have to do with your name no, or right, your right, right, fame. Right, right. To me, star is that everybody is like at the top of their game. Yeah. Nobody may think of them as a star, but the quality of their work is like they can come, they have the ability to say, how di- I dare you to turn away from me? Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I love it. I love being challenged in the room. I but you know what I'm what I'm more interested in is being inspired. And what inspires? So so something like Tigger, uh, who's a burlesque boylesque performer, one of the first boylesque performers in this neo, the first boylesque performer in the neo burlesque movement. Um, he helped create boylesque. He's extraordinary. And he, uh, he's a muse of mine, and I, I, I cast him in almost everything I do. And, uh, and I, like, Tigger doesn't challenge me. Like, he'll take a moment, you know. He'll, if, if he comes on stage, you know he's going to make a choice. The All eyes are going to be on him when he walks in. Uh, he's going to fill every moment, and every moment is going to be full until he leaves the stage. And I don't feel um, threatened by that. I feel inspired to step up, but I also feel inspired to make space for that, right? So um, what happens is he'll walk on stage and I'll be singing a song and then I want to, oh, somebody made a choice. Let me give them space. Hello, yes, parade, do your thing, do your thing, do your thing. And now it's my turn again, you know? (laughs) So I I guess I feel... um, it's just, a, it's more of semantics and more the framing I think it is of semantic because I think we agree. Because I remember once I was doing Caroline in London and I was doing something and all of a sudden I was like, what's going on? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And I turned around and I was like, what are you all doing back here? And this woman, one of the actors said, oh, I was trying to uh, give you your moment. <gasps> I was trying to like do nothing. So to give you, and I was like... Honey, first of all, I don't need you to give me a moment. I can take the moment. I can take the moment. <laughs> and if I can't take it, then please take it. But don't try right. to be nothing. Because I could feel the vacuousness. You know what I mean? Oh, I wow. could feel the lack of what was going on. In her trying to give me something, she actually she distracted me from the fact that there was nothing happening here that was weird. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was just a... I don't, I don't know actually what she was doing, but I knew that it, it was calling my attention even though she was behind me. <laughs> That's so strange. That is a weird thing. It is a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I just always find that when you make space for other people, you end up making space for yourself ultimately as well. Mm. So I, I kind of, um, 
I, that's just my philosophy. I just don't like that. I, I, I don't really like to frame it like a, a competition, you know? I don't like, think of it as a competition. Yeah. But I think when I'm working with someone who is good or better than me, mm. I don't have to do any work. I literally just get on stage and I just pay attention to them and respond. And it is like sex. It's like if someone's good, you just pay attention and you just respond to that. Uh And it's just like this amazing thing. Yes. Because I was, I was definitely trained and I, and I love this philosophy that the the other person on the stage, and I think of this as the audience sometimes too, is, is your life jacket that you, you know, you, you rely on that person, um, and there's no way to make the art without the other person. So everything has to come from the other person. It's very Meisner, you know? It is. <laughs> I was trained Meisner, too. Yeah, yeah. Everything has to come from the Everything's other person. Everything's the other person. And, and the better they are, the better you are. The better you are. You know? know? Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah that is my... And, then, and, 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 I mean, it, it could be a semantics miscommunication about generosity, but that's what I think of, of generosity as somebody, again, who's able to play that tennis with you, you know? Um that the tennis isn't about who gets to win the game, but who get when you get in the in that moment of of uh, we're hitting the ball back and forth. And it's so exciting. Oh, it's, it's like, like sex. sex. It is <laughs> like sex. sex. I've experienced sex. it maybe four times in my life. Mm. The last one was with Diane Weist. Really? Oh, she's so wonderful. I don't think she even knows how wonderful she is. Uh, like she's one of those people who just like opens up a channel and lets some shit come through her and, uh-huh. and she's a master class. So sometimes I would just have to just just be marveling. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I she's such a private person, like I don't know what she thinks of me as a human being or anything like that. But to work with her, uh, I learned so much and I could tell that she respected me enough that she would start playing with me. Uh-huh. And she'd be like, okay, I'm going to do this. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do that. Oh. And then we would start like, you know, and then sometimes we would just crack each other up in the middle of the stage because we had reached this point where yeah. we were just, we were just playing with our craft yeah. with each other, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. like, wow. Yeah. yeah. When Julie White came on board oh, with Gary, who's, I mean, I just, I'm so freaking in love with her. She's master. She is master. And, and she, she just, uh, she would, she would do that sometimes too, where I, I, you know, she had to learn her part in four days and stuff. So she attached to any, any, thing that she could in order to make it happen. And you could see that one of her goals was to make Nathan Lane laugh. And it was so alive to me. I mean, I think it annoyed George, but <laughs> you know, because he wanted them to be in the play and all this. Stuff. But for me, I, I just felt like, well, that is the play. That is the spirit of the play to a degree is um, that you're both, you're marveling at this incredible character at the same time you're marveling at the person who is playing the character that duality is fascinating to me and that what always made it work for me it was action she was she was doing something she wasn't just like making a joke uh she was trying to do something to the other person on the stage and that person she relied on that person and if they broke ha 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 then then she's alive you know then she's in the character that and you would see the whole room transform when that happened partially because they thought they were getting something original because and they were because they did it in a different spot every night but it was a trope they would always do it (laughs) right you know it was it, it was interesting to see to see them play and to see him try to resist and then to see christine you know, her character really is trying to resist and to see her ever so often. One, one night in particular, she just couldn't, she couldn't hold it. I just loved it. I just, I just think it's, uh, there's a preciousness about um, realism that always makes me feel like it's sitting on me, mm. you know? <laughs> and I'm like, just let it go. Just let it go. We're all in the theater. We know mm. we're in the theater. I know we're making magic and we will, but you can, you can make magic one second and everyone believes it and break the magic and it's a different kind of magic the next mm. second. And then you can go back to making the magic that everyone believes the illusion in the next second. That's real craft to be able to mm. pop back and forth those two worlds and just commit. I just, that mm. to me is... Uh, it's heaven when I'm sitting in a theater. It's why I prefer musicals. <laughs> mm. Because in the musicals, they pop from different worlds nonstop. Mm. Sometimes you're singing, sometimes you're talking, sometimes you're dancing, sometimes, you know? Mm. And, you know, anyways.
Well, the last thing I'm going to ask you about is, because yeah. um, I could talk to you forever. Yeah. You said something on your in the 12-hour or the 24-hour music, but the 12-hour musical, you said, it's okay for you to hate me, it's okay for you to be uncomfortable, to be aggravated, to want to leave, no matter what, in performance art, you can't fail. <laughs> right, there's and no failure. And you said that there's this wonderful way in which you always um, make your performances to design a little bit of failure because that's the way in which you um you know allow people to see your humanity uh yeah i i i i think there's a, um a great deal to be said for and championed uh in terms of um i frame it like reaching for the hem of god uh using your virtuosity reaching for virtuosity and practicing and practicing and practicing and doing the thing that you're very good at and and um reaching the hem of god is like yes i'm i'm almost i'm almost to um to god status because i'm i'm not almost not human anymore um because i'm so good you know so there's something to be said for that that is the goal Right? Um, we're going to lift ourselves up towards perfection. But there's something also that is um, undermined in the culture a lot, which, uh, which Nina Simone had, which is that you are vulnerable enough to expose your humanity and, and to try to reach the people uh, you have to expose your humanity. Uh, <laughs> so we're not reaching for this thing above us, but we're actually trying to reach each other. And you you have to say, uh, I'm broken. Um, mm. And here's my broken part. And what can we do with this broken part? Can we transform it? Um, do you have this broken part as well? Uh, and, and so that's something I'm always trying to ask myself in every piece. Uh, uh, Dorothy Allison framed it a different way to her to her writing students. She she would say, "Write the one thing about yourself that you don't want anyone to know," and then they would do that on a piece of paper in their secret little corner. And then she would say, "That's the opening line of your new book." Right? <laughs> so you're risking, and I and I work that way a lot of the times. Mm. I'll say, "I'm going to risk this thing I don't want anyone to know about me. I'm going to put that on stage." first that is going to be what the piece is about and then and and then you find your way to healing but you also find your way to um to sharing your humanity with uh i don't know that there's reaching the people is um just as important as inspiring the people to something greater i think i was raised in such a way where any mistake or error was punished so severely mm-hmm. yeah. that um, I, my survival depended upon uh, competence. Competence? Competence. Yeah. And knowing what I was doing, or at least doing whatever I was doing as mm-hmm. if I knew it. Yeah. And I wasn't fully aware of that until I started taking clown work. Mm. And... Um, you know, watching how the funny moment is the moment when the clown is like, doesn't know what's going to happen, doesn't it? <laughs> and seeing how I had developed a lifelong habit of covering that so quickly that you you never did, that moment of the, the funny would not be there because I could fill that up quick. Mm. And having to relax into allowing myself to be and not knowing out of a, a survival habit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because that's was where the funny is, and yeah. it, you know it. And it's a place that I just continue to try to work into, you know. Yeah. But the habit is is very strong. Uh, what have you, what are the comedies that you've done? You've done a lot of comedies. No, I haven't done a lot of comedies. I had a teacher who told me I wasn't funny, so um, I didn't, you know, I believed that story for a long time. Uh, well, so certainly I always Rashida thought I speaking. wasn't funny, too. Rashida know. speaking, um, uh, play on on Broadway. Those are probably really the only two times I've gotten to do anything comedic. And when I was a young, I got to do stuff that was always about being the naive 
comedy person. And I like to it, write comedy. Was it fun for you to do those? Or oh, I loved it. Uh, I loved making it. Making people laugh. And I love to. I love for people to make fun of me. Uh huh. Like I love it. I think it's great when someone is like imitating me and making fun of me. I love to laugh at myself. Um, mm. Yeah, and I think more of the things that I do and 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 write, it, it, even though they're dark. Uh, it's what's that that apocryphal line? I think they they attribute it to either wild or Moliere, or maybe to both, but it's like, if you're going to tell people the truth, you better make them laugh, or else they'll kill you. <laughs> you know? Well, that and the Buffons, which I find so fascinating, their whole, uh, their whole technique is they want to make the audience laugh so hard, they die. Because <laughs> they've been kicked out of the culture, and they find their way into the culture to perform for the court, and their whole goal is revolution by making the audience laugh so hard they die. And what is this? How can I find this? I want to know about this. How do I the, find the Buffons? The Buffons is yeah. it? The, is it a play? Is no, it a... no, it's just a. It's just an old um, comedy. It's one of the comedy uh, characters. You know, it's the it's Buffons. like the fool, the clown, the Buffon, the mime. The, you know, and uh, and the Buffons that they have a particular thing they were the grotesque who were not allowed in because they were deformed and they were gross but every once a year the, during the festival time they let the, the bouffants in to perform for the people and their revenge on them is we will make them laugh so hard they die <laughs> so it's vicious but it's oh, also wonderful <laughs> I love this I must explore this you should be a bouffant <laughs> oh my god I love it you yeah. look up Red Bastard he's one of the Red great bouffants right Bastard. now Red Bastard I'm yeah. definitely doing that because in my horror movie you know one of my delights in writing a horror movie um is that i always have you like you know having a really fun time laughing with someone just before a really brutal death Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yes please (laughs) and that's what makes me happy yeah With the comedy to yes. make the comedy even funnier. Yes, 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 yes. You have to have a little tragedy at the end of the comedy in order to see the comedy. <laughs> yes, it looks a lot funnier when you're down there. Amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming uh, and talking to me, Chandler. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is fun. It was good. That was yeah. great. I'm glad. <laughs> This is Tanya Pinkins on You Can't Say That with my guest Taylor Mag <laughs> on the Broadway Podcast Network. <laughs> oh, I'm never working again. <laughs> Thanks for listening to You Can't Say That with Tanya Pinkins, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode was produced by Dory Berenstein, edited by Alan Seals, with music by Anthony Norman. You can find more information and other great Broadway-related podcasts via broadwaypodcastnetwork.com slash you can't say that. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.